Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to welcome you to Graceway Church. I would like to share something with you, something that happened in 2018. It was December of 2018. I'd been praying for an item that I wanted to buy. And as I was praying for an item that I wanted to buy, God told me that as much as I want you to receive what you want, right now is not the season to receive it. And he said to me that not only will he provide the item in the right season, but he'll provide the financial capabilities throughout the season for what he wants to bless me with. And I remembered he told me this. And God reminded me of this recently this past week. The importance of not only understanding the season, but knowing the right season and reaping at the appointed time. Today's message is going to be titled, Reaping the Harvest. We'll be speaking about reaping the harvest and what you need to do during that season when it is time to reap. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 reads, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Matthew 13.30 reads, Let them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, first gather the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, but gather wheat into my barn. Oh, there are many verses in the Bible that tell us that God is a God of seasons and God wants us to reap and to reap the harvest and that there's a time for sowing, there's a time for reaping and there's a time to actually enjoy the harvest. And one perfect example of understanding the time and season for everything is of Jesus and the time when he went on to the cross. And as he was going to the cross, he was actually fulfilling Psalms 69 verse 1 to 21. The Bible speaks about the times of what will happen throughout when he's being crucified. And it speaks that there'll be a time which is will be thirsty and that they'll offer him things to eat and offer him things to drink. Later in the Bible, when it is time for that season for him to get crucified, Jesus offered something to drink three times in the Bible. And each time Jesus has offered something to drink, there's a specific importance of why he's offered something to drink, not only for Jesus' life, but also for our lives in general. In Psalm 69, verse 21 reads, They will also give me kale for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. So we know that the Bible even says that when Jesus has been crucified, he'll be thirsty and he'll be craving something to drink. And they will have to give him something for him to quench his thirst. And this is biblical. This is a prophecy that was told many years ago. But in the season of when it's time for Jesus to get crucified, there are certain times where he actually needed to, to open his mind and know which specific time he needed to drink, even though the prophecy was there. The first time Jesus offered something to drink is in Matthew 27, verse 34, which reads, They offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gale, but after he tasted it, he refused to drink it. Mark 15, verse 23 of the same account says, Then they offered him wine mixed with mire, but he did not take it. Two verses earlier in Matthew, we see that there's a man named Simon who was actually forced to carry the cross because Jesus was tired. And then now that at a place called Golgotha. And at this point, Jesus is very thirsty. That's why they offer him something to drink. The fact that Jesus tasted it meant that he was thirsty, but he still refused to drink it. The man was mixed with gale and ma. And this was a common drink that they would actually give people when it was time to crucify them. This was because the gale would actually help them to ease the pain so they wouldn't be able in that mindset to feel the full pain of the cross. It would also help them to speed up the process of their death. It would also help them with the mindsets to shift the mindsets 
so that they aren't thinking straight and therefore not feeling the proper pain. Now, even though Jesus was ready in pain, he knew that he had to go to the cross and face it fully. And the reason he did not drink it, because three things would have happened had he drunk it. One, he would not have been in the right mindset for him to understand and feel the pain of our sins. Number two, he would have not completely felt the pain and the full wrath. Therefore, he would not have completely bore our sins. And the third one, he might have died too soon to the point where our sins would not have been completely forgiven. And therefore, he knew that he had to withstand a certain time and loss a certain season for us to be properly and fully forgiven, for him to be a fully clean sacrifice to God. In the same way, when we pray, we should have a mindset that we are ready to receive what God has blessed us with. Just as a farmer knows that there's a time for to sow and there's a time to reap, a farmer does not plant seed and keep pulling out the seed to see if the seed is growing, to see if the plant is growing. But the farmer waits and patiently waters the seed. In the same way, if we rush something before the point of season, we'll either get the thing wrong or we will not fully enjoy what God has planned for us to the fullest. Even David understood the meaning of seasons. There's a time where Saul is chasing David, and Saul hears that David is in the desert close by. Saul tells his army, hey, let's go out, and let's go and hunt David. And as they're hunting, as they're hunting, Saul wants to go and use the toilet. So he goes into a cave, he leaves his soldiers behind, and he goes to pee. 1 Samuel 24, verse 47 says, Then the men said, This is the day the Lord spoke on when he said to you, I'll give your enemy into your hands, for you will deal with it as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's appointed, or lay a hand on him, for he is the anointed of God. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. And after Saul has left, David now shouts to Saul and says to him, verse 9 to 10, He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you in my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I'll not lay a hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. David understood that even though he was already told he'll be the next king. He understood the pointed time, the pointed season of when his time would come. He understood that it was not him who was going to kill Saul. He understood that even when these people are saying, the Lord said that he'll deliver your enemies into your hands and you'll choose what to do with them. He understood that God was not speaking about Saul. He understood that God was speaking about other enemies to come. In the same way, we need to understand the right season, the right anointing of what to do. There's a lot of times we as Christians, we do something because we're rushing the season. We're not ready to wait for the right appointed season, and we end up using the wrong things that will either destroy the harvest or make us not fully enjoy the proper harvest. And that's one thing David understood. He understood that we need to be careful at every season. Even Jesus understood that as much as biblically, Psalms had said that he'll be thirsty and he will drink, he understood that the wine, Lesu Gil, was not the wine that they was referring to in the Bible. He understood that this was not the drink he was supposed to drink. He understood that him drinking this 
would not only harm everything, but could ruin the proper harvest. The second time Jesus offered something to drink is found in Luke 23, verse 35 to 37. And it reads, And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ, the chosen of God, the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, we might think that there's nothing wrong with what they offered him. But scholars believe it is not logical for the soldiers who the same soldiers who were beating him, who had spit on him, to now offer him an easy way out. Because these are the same soldiers that would break the other's legs next to them so that they could speed up their death, but leave Jesus unharmed and even strike him with a spear on the side. These are the same soldiers that did that. And therefore, these same soldiers would not mock him and try and give him a quick way out. Some scholars even go as far as believing that Maybe had Jesus drunk that, it would have prolonged his time on the cross. He would have stayed there on the cross longer. And that's something we need to understand in our lives. That sometimes we do things thinking that we're helping God and speeding up the process. But a lot of the time we find ourselves doing things that will delay the harvest, will delay what God has actually in store for us and therefore take time. Sometimes we do things that delay our process and the promise that God has for us. And then we end up saying to ourselves, you know, maybe it's the season that God has called me to the desert. And you forget that God never called the Israelites out of Egypt to live in the desert. God called them into the promised land. And it was only because when they got to the door, they didn't have enough faith for them to actually go forward. But they doubted what was there, and therefore they end up in the desert. God did not call us out in the desert. God called us to be prosperous and to live a lovely and blessed life. And in the same way, we need to remember that. If the one thing in my family knows is that I make the best omelets and French toast, oof, yeah, I know when I make them, they go down. And you know, the one thing when you make an omelet, you use multiple eggs. I like to make three egg omelets, you know, nice and big, nice and filling. The one thing I do is, you know, you first take a bowl or a cup and you break eggs in it. You break one egg at a time. And if you break two perfect eggs and they're perfect, and you break the third one and the third one is off, the whole batter becomes ruined. The whole omelet now is off and is ruined. And no matter how much you may try and spice it, no matter how much you may try and mix it up, the whole omelet is ruined, and the whole taste of the omelet is not as pure as it was meant to be. In the same way, when we do try and do things in our own will and do try and rush God, we sometimes end up taking a rotten egg and putting it into God's perfect will. We might still get that to what God has destined for us, but there's a possibility that in our rush and in our haste, we will ruin that perfect omelet that God has made for us. And therefore, we need to understand that as we patiently wait, and as we patiently need to interpret the other things and see what else is out there, we need to understand that God's perfect timing will produce an egg that will make the omelet perfect. David understood this because another time when he had an opportunity to kill Saul, there was a time when Saul's soldiers who had come after him and now they were camping close by. And it was at night and David and Abisha go out and they go into David's tent. Now they get to David's tent and everyone around the tent is sleeping. And verse 8 says, Abisha said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abish, Do not destroy him. Who can lay the hand of the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David had an opportunity and understood that he was not meant to kill so. Verse 12 reads, So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake. They were sleeping because the Lord had put 
them into a deep sleep. So one thing I found interesting this time, I'd read this verse many times, but at this time I realized that the reason that David was able to sneak into the camp was not because they were good at sneaking, was not because, you know, they were great spies, they could, you know, maneuver without being heard, but it's because God had put the enemy into a deep sleep. And even at the same time, his person who went in with him said the same thing that was repeated earlier on, that God has delivered the enemy into your hands. But David understood that should he have laid a hand on God's appointed man on Saul, he would have had guilt on him. And therefore, he would have broken a rotten egg and spoiled the whole omelet that God wanted him in his life. And in the same way, we need to understand that when God wants to give us something, he wants to give us something pure. And therefore, we need to make sure that we make sure we protect that omelet. The third time Jesus has offered something to drink is after he asked for something to drink. We see this in John 19, 28 to 30. Later, knowing that everything had been finished and saw that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of a hippos plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave his spirit. The scripture that he was fulfilling, the scripture that it mentions that he knew that for scripture to be fulfilled was referring to the same Psalm 69, 21, which reads, They will give me gale for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. The scripture does not say that the final drink that they offered Jesus had gale in it. It only mentions that the food was poisoned. And therefore, we know that even back in the scripture, we can tell that the one that he finally drank was one that was not poisonous. The type of drink that they gave him, and it does say a jar of wine vinegar was there. In those times, soldiers used to drink that type of drink and was around them, and they'd normally drink it around them, they were crucifying people. And this was the same drink that the soldiers were drinking themselves. So therefore, the final drink that Jesus drank was not to harm him, but was literally just to quench his thirst. Now, I'm not saying that when your season comes, it's going to bring death into your life. Jesus died on the cross and when he said it was finished, three days later he rose and defeated death. And therefore now we are blameless, we are sinless. And therefore now we can have a proper relationship with him and our sins have been completely paid for. So back to my story, back in 2018 goes by, 2019 goes by, 2020 comes, you know, we're all excited, 2020, yeah, my year, 2020, great! Ooh, that's an amazing year. Then COVID hits, lockdown hits, you know, everything's shaking, everything's different. And I remember it was the fourth week of a two-week lockdown. And God was like, the season I told you about in 2018, now is the time. He was like, I know what I told you. I told you to wait. I told that when the season's right, I'll provide. And he said to me then, in the middle of lockdown, I am providing now. And for me, the first thing that was confused was like, but God, back then, 2018 was great. 2019 was amazing. Now we're in the middle of a lockdown. We're in the middle of a crisis. We're not sure what's going on. And the one thing that God reminded me was Romans 12, which reads, And do not be conformed by this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect in His plan and purpose for you. By conforming to the world, it does not mean living and doing everything it does. By conforming to the world, the Bible also refers to looking at the season that's around us and basing the anointing and the 
blessing, the word that God has based on your life around the season. At that moment, God said, I don't care how everything looks. I don't care if people are not sure how finances are looking. I don't care. I said I'll provide. Forget what the world is saying. Forget the seasons because I am going to provide. God has placed things in our hearts and He has given us a word and told us, you know, this is the season for you to reap. And you know, we're too afraid, we're too focused on the season around us that we think about God, maybe not the right time. You know, the economy is not doing great. Maybe if I wait a few days, maybe if I do a bit more research, but God's saying jump. You know, there's a point where when we're relaxing and we're too comfortable in our comfort zone that we're too scared to do what God has told us. Sometimes God does make that comfort zone very uncomfortable. And a lot of the time we blame it on the devil, but it's not the devil. God is saying, hey, I'm making this moment uncomfortable so that you can actually jump and leap in faith and believe in me that has called you into the season. Believe my word and therefore take it upon yourself to actually move. A few weeks ago, we learned how God had called the Israelites out and had called them back to the promised land to rebuild the temple that was destroyed. At that point when they were rebuilding, they finished the foundation and they got demoralized because of what people were saying around them, because of the situations around them. And that season of building, which was not supposed to take long, ended up being paused for years to come. And that's the problem we sometimes face with ourselves. We start the season that God has told us, we start with vigor, we start with power. But then somewhere down the line, we forget and we lose hope. And at that point, we look at what the world is saying and we stop building, stop trusting in God. Isaiah 55 verse 11 reads, In the same way with my word, I send it out and it will always produce fruit. It will always accomplish what I want it to do, and it will prosper ever I send it. Numbers 23:19 reads, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak, then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And that's the one thing we need to remember, when God sends us with something, even though the situation might not look uncountable, God is the one who sent the word. God is the one who placed the word in our hearts. And it's not meant for us to fulfill it, but it's for us to trust in the Lord and He will fulfill it through us. And that's one thing we need to remember, that it's not our word that says the season is great. It's not our word that has placed that season in our heart, but it is God who has said it. And therefore, He'll do it. And I do know sometimes in that season, things are hard, but you know, there are a few things we can actually do that actually help us in that season to strengthen us, to actually know that, you know what, God is here and God will help us. The first thing we need to do is we need to meditate on the Word. We need to meditate on the Word of God and understand that God is not a God who lies. God is not a God who changes His mind. When God says something, He will do it. Joshua 1.8 reads, Study the Bible of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Reading the Bible is only the start. We need to read the Bible so that we can actually get to know things and find scripture that actually backs up what the word God has told us to do and the word that God has placed in our hearts. One thing else about reading the Bible, we need to take it a step further. We need to start believing. We need to start speaking it into our lives. And that's part of meditation. When you read something, it's okay to read it, but you actually need to start speaking and that's the part of meditation that's very important. To the point where God changed Abraham from Abraham to Abraham because he understood the importance of changing a name. He understood the importance of Abraham having to confess every single day that he is the father of many nations. He understood that for Abraham to get the blessing was not about his old age, but he understood that the more Abraham spoke something about him, the more Abraham mentioned his name, the more he understood that he is the father of many nations. 
And that's part of meditation. We need to find scripture and speak the message that God has laid in our hearts so that we can actually believe in what God has said. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of its word. We need to be careful what we say and what we do. Because when God gives us a word and God gives us something in our hearts, our tongue can either build it or can either destroy it. The more we speak on it, we're actually taking the seed that God has laid in our hearts and we're watering it. And as we water it, as we water in the faith and the belief, we're actually helping that thing grow in our hearts and helping the season come true. There's a story in the Bible, it's found in Luke. Zechariah, the priest, is serving and it's his time to serve. And he's one of the priests and as he's serving, as he's in the temple, an angel of the Lord appears to him and an angel of the Lord says, you know what, I know you've been praying for a child, I know you want a child. God's going to bless you with a child. God's going to bless you with a child and he says this child will pave a way for Jesus. This child will be John the Baptist that the angel is referring to here. And Zechariah, knowing the past scriptures, because he is a priest, so he has heard the past scriptures, he could have said, hey, I know you did for Abraham at his old age, so therefore I know you'll do it in my life. Instead, Zechariah in verse 18 says, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Verse 19 to 20, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. The angel did not make Zechariah quiet just for fun. He did not do it for fun, but he understood that Zechariah did not believe in what the word was saying. Zechariah did not believe the word that God had sent the angel to tell him. And he understood the more Zechariah kept talking, the more Zechariah kept speaking bad things, he was destroying that seed that God wanted him in his life. And I'm glad God doesn't mute some of us nowadays because, yo, we would see a lot of muted Christians as we walk in because, yo, when God places something in our lives, sometimes we doubt God and we say, but God, can you really do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And we start putting doubt into that seed. We start ripping that seed apart, taking it out of the soul because we don't believe that God can actually do it. Instead of using that same word that God has given us to water that seed, we're now pulling it out. There's a story in the Bible where it's in Ezekiel 37, where God takes Ezekiel to a desert where there's dry bones, a valley of dry bones. And God asks Ezekiel, do you think these bones can come to life? And Ezekiel says, only if you say they can, Lord. And after that, the Lord says to him, what I want you to do is only prophesy to these bones. And as you're prophesying, I want you to say these things to these bones. And as you're saying them, these bones will come together, will get flesh, and they will stand. And they'll keep prophesying, and then I'll come and I'll breathe life into that. And after God had told him, Ezekiel started doing that. Verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Ezekiel understood two things. He understood that no matter what the situation looks like, if God says it is possible, it is possible. The second thing he understood is that once God has commanded something, all he needed to do was to speak it and speak what God has said he should speak. And it shall happen. In the same way, we need to understand that no matter how the situation looks, no matter how the environment looks, if God has laid something in our hearts and God has said, speak life into it, 
It doesn't matter what the situation is. God can change the situation. And if we keep speaking to a quick life, and God will bring that into flourishing. I might have a story of a person once told me, they were praying for a job. And as they were praying for a job, God said, you know what, I'll give you a job, but what I want you to do about this job, so I want you to be very specific about it. I want you to write down things that you want about this job. So the person wrote down, they wrote down the income they wanted, they wrote down in the area they wanted, they always said, oh, I want it to be when I'm driving in the morning to be against traffic, and on the way back to be against traffic. And they wrote it down and they meditated on that word. And that word came to flourish and that word came to life. That person received a job based on the job descriptions that they wrote. In my season of receiving, there were days where days did not look great. There were days where things were looking beautiful. There were days that things were not looking the best. And in all those days, I had to keep meditating. I had to keep telling myself that, hey, this word is not the word that I came up with. This word is the word of God. So therefore, it is God's will to fulfill it. And that's something we also need to do. We need to keep meditating and speaking the word and trusting that God will provide and that his word does not go empty. I knew that God will provide in that season, no matter how the days looked. The second thing we need to do is we need to prepare to receive. We need to prepare to receive. The biggest lesson I learned about preparing to receive was back in the day of PlayStation 3, I had a friend. And I know PlayStation 3 is a while ago. You know, we've been playing with this friend since PlayStation 1 and, 1, and sometimes we've been swapping games. And this friend comes to me and says, hey, I've bought a game. I'd like to come and play it at your house during the holidays. It was December. And he had bought a game for a PlayStation 3. Now, our family had recently just bought us a PlayStation 3 recently, but he didn't have one. And he said, I don't have a PlayStation 3 yet, but I'd like to come play this game before Christmas. So I was like, oh, cool, pull through. So when he came and we got there and we played the game, I asked him, so thanks for bringing the game, really enjoyed it, but why would you buy a game if you don't have the console or the PlayStation 3? And he said to me that his parents had told him that for Christmas he'll get a PlayStation 3. And so over time, he started saving up to buy a game. And he saved up and bought a game knowing that although he does not have the PlayStation, He's getting it soon. And come December 25, he got that PlayStation. And God reminded me that a lot of the times we pray to God asking for something, but we're not ready to receive. We don't believe that he's going to give it to us. We don't show actions to our faith. Matthew 7 verse 9 to 11 says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God showed me to my friend that just as his parents had told him he would get a PlayStation at Christmas, and he started saving and started getting ready to receive the gift, we should also start doing that. We should also make way to receive the gift. Just as he had started preparing for months on his little pocket money just to save a game because he knew that at the end he's getting a PlayStation 3, we should actually do something like that to show God that we have faith in him. James 2, 14 to 17 says, What is the benefit, my fellow brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? What kind of faith can save him? No, a mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith provides good works. If a brother or sister is without adequate clothing and lacks enough food for each day, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, 
with my blessings, keep warm and feed yourselves. But you do not give them the necessities for the body. What good does that do? So two, faith. If it does not have works to back it up, it by itself is dead, inoperative and ineffective. You need to back up your faith with actions. A lot of the times God tells us something and tells us to meditate on the word. But just meditating on the word is the first step and that's where we can lose it. We just meditate on the word but we don't follow through. We don't start doing things to back our faith. And the Bible in James says, if we don't use things to build our faith, the faith is dead and inadequate and inoperative. And in the same way, the person was praying for a job. Yes, they'd written down the job, they'd written down the requirements. But they didn't just relax and wait by the TV and say, you don't worry, God's going to just drop a job on my lap as I'm watching TV. No, they prepared their CV and they took their CV out and started submitting at different places. And those are the type of works that God is referring to. When you're asking for a job, prepare your CV, start looking because those are the words that show that you believe that God's going to bless you with the job. If you're asking God for a car, you need to actually prepare to drive for a car. You need to get your driver's license, learn how to drive, do research on the cars that you want, and God will provide. If you're praying for your first child in marriage, you need to start preparing for that. You need to start looking up baby magazines. You need to start going to window shopping for baby's clothes, for baby's beds, for baby's prayers, for everything related to the baby. Even start planning the room to the point where you can even start opening a savings account for the baby stuff. And the reason you open a savings account, don't get me wrong, we're not saying that God will not provide financially. But what you're saying is, God, I know I'm praying for this. And I'm showing that I'm having faith that you'll provide for it. So if I'm preparing myself for the season when you'll provide. And you're putting works to your faith. And God will take those words and those works actually help you to water that seed. Those faith help you to nourish that seed as it grows. The third thing we need to do is we need to live each day as if we had received it. We need to live each day as if we had received it. When the season came for me to buy the item, I started looking up the item, I started doing research on the item. It was locked down, so I was looking online, finding different prices. And when the restrictions got nicer, and you know, we can now go into shops and start looking, I also started going to shops, started looking at items, started asking to look at the items, started to feel the items, and started to get the understanding of the items. And as I was looking at different places, God showed me a place where that place was the place where I ended up getting the item. The place had three processes. The first process, I had to come down and show them what I wanted and everything. And I would pay a design fee. And I would leave. And then the second stage was they would design it online, they would send me a picture, and then I would approve it. And then they would do a 3D model. And then I will come and look at the 3D model. And when I've approved the 3D model, I'll pay 50% deposit. And then they'll start the third phase, which is creating the item. And then when the item is done, I pay the rest. And the first stage was fine, you know, the amounts are small, so you know, it's easy to do. When the second stage came, whew, that 50% deposit. Ooh, you know, at that point, <laughs> God was funny. So I get to that shop, and as I'm going to a place, I know, hey, I can barely afford this deposit. I can barely afford to pay the 50%. And there's other things I still need to do with the money that's in my account. And so I go there, and as I'm looking at the thing, as I approve everything, I give the guy the card to swipe. As I'm saying, okay, you know, God, I'm going to swipe. You're going to do what you do. 
guy doesn't take the card it's like don't worry i know it's our store policy to say we'll take 50 percent deposit you'll pay the whole the rest of the item when you come back and get the item i was like oh man thank you to god put away my card i went you know and a few days later i get a message in the afternoon and even then the first time when i was trying for the deposits then i had more money than i have now and now i was like yo god hey that often i was like yo god hey i don't know how you're gonna do it but tomorrow i'm picking up that item and you're gonna provide and i went to sleep the next morning when i wake up god's like check your bank account ah yeah get excited i check my bank account and when i check my bank account there's an exact amount of money in my account that i needed for that item and as i went to go and pick up that item and i went to pay for it God reminded me that, you know, I said that I'll not only pay for this item, but I'll pay for the season coming throughout it. For this item was not the whole season. This item was just a milestone for the season that I'm in. And that's one thing we need to remember, that in a season there are different milestones. When God took the Israelites out of Egypt, He did not take them out to the desert, but He said, I'll take them to the promised land. And there were different milestones. The first milestones were where he took them to the Red Sea and he parted the Red Sea and destroyed the enemy behind them. And the Israelites didn't say, you know what, God, this is the perfect land. There's a river here, there's everything here. They did not sit camp and live there because they understood that this was just a milestone and that the season they were going to was a promised land. And every time they kept going, they were kept being faced with challenges and each time God would pursue them throughout those challenges. And the moment they got to the promised land, they sent spies and two of the spies came back and said, Yes, 10 of the spies say that they're giants and that we can't defeat them. But God has been the same God that has helped us throughout everything. God called us to this land and so therefore God will provide for us. And the sad reality is those are the same two spies who saw the promised land 40 years later. Whereas the others, because of their unbelief, missed the promise. A lot of the times when God will give us milestones throughout the season, so we can use those milestones to build our faith. So we can use those milestones to say, you know, if God can do it then, He can do it now. And those two spies understood that God had taken them out from Egypt, had killed the enemy behind them, and had taken them throughout different battles and provided, and that God would not just leave them there, for God had said, that land is theirs. In the same way, God will give us milestones to build our faith. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord, your God, will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. NIV says that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews verse 5 says, For he said, I'll never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. Nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. A lot of the time we get discouraged because of the challenges we face. And we forget that God is the one who has provided for us. God is the one who sent the word. And God has gone out before us and he's prepared the things. And as we are going through all these challenges, we need to remember that it's God's word that will provide. God will never leave us nor forsake us. God will not leave you halfway throughout a season and just expect you to do the rest. Even Ezekiel understood that when it was time for him to speak, the first time he spoke and the bones came together, 
the Lord said, speak again, and this time I'll bring life into them. And he spoke the second time, and God breathed life into it. A lot of the times we start the season just because God has given us a milestone, we get happy with that milestone, and we don't keep speaking the word, we don't keep living the word, we don't keep knowing that we received it. And at that point, we don't speak into the word, and therefore we leave the job half done. But just like Ezekiel spoke again, and this time God breathed life into it, we need to keep speaking and understanding that the season is still in there and that God is the one who's the God of seasons and God is the one who will provide. As I close, I'd like to leave you two verses. The first verse is 2 Corinthians 9, 10, which reads, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. The second verse, Matthew 13, 30, Let them grow together until the harvest and at harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, first gather the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, but gather the weeds into my barn. The thing we need to remember is that God is a God who does not do half jobs. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for us, but he did not just die for our sins. He died that we may have a blessed and prosperous life here on earth. Yes, it's amazing that we'll live with God and Jesus in eternity in a blessed heaven but God also wants us to prosper here on earth. And part of the reason Jesus had to die was he had to get back the authority that we had lost to the devil. And in the same way, God will not just get the authority for us and leave us halfway through. God will provide. And all we need to do throughout the season is just keep trusting God and knowing that it is God's word who has sent it and it is God's word who has done it. And that's one thing I kept going throughout even after I got the first item throughout the season I had to keep having to tell myself that God you're the one who said you do this you're the one who said you'll not leave me nor forsake me and even throughout that season I kept telling God God you're the one who said you finished the season me I just wanted the item you said you provide financially so do you and at the end of the day he not only provided throughout that whole season but he provided far more than I would have asked far more than I expected and that's because God wants us to have a blessed life. God wants us to be blessed far beyond than what we can imagine. And that's one thing I want to remind you. That no matter what the season looks like, just know that God has got you. God is providing for you. It is God who sent the word and it's God who's going to fulfill that season. All you need to do, you need to meditate on the word. You need to be ready to receive the word. And you need to live each day as if you received it. May we bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Lord, that you're Alpha and Omega, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're the Creator I am. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son to die on the cross for us, Lord. We'd like to thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is a God of seasons. You're a God who wants us to reap the harvest. You're a God who wants us to prosper. You're a God, Lord, that wants us to do great things. We thank you, Lord, that you laid something in our hearts, Lord, that you are ready for us to receive, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that as we enter our season, we thank you that we know you will provide. We know that the word did not come from us, Lord, but we know the word came from you. And we thank you, Lord, that you will provide throughout the season. We thank you, Lord, that you providing is not so that we may show our own strength, but you providing so that people may know that you are God, that we may become a living testimony to other people, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. And as we close, I'd like to give an opportunity to those who haven't accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior. He died on the cross so that you may not only be forgiven for your sins, but so that you may carry your burdens, so that you may live a world knowing that God has got you, knowing that the one who died on the cross can provide for you. And the only 
way that you may live a prosperous life and reap the harvest that God has wanted you is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior and understand that He is the one who will provide. And if that is you, may you please bow your heads in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for our sins, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I know you are my Lord and Savior and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I know that you not only died on the cross, but you rose again on the cross, Lord. I'd like to thank you for dying on the cross and I'd like to accept you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you had said that prayer, the angels are rejoicing. Everyone's excited. We are glad that you are now part of the kingdom. You're now ready to reap the harvest that God has wanted you to reap. And as you are ready to reap the harvest and he has accepted Lord and Savior, we would like you to text the number below so that we may get hold of you and we can get in contact with you and help you and support you throughout your walk. So please feel free to text the number and we will get in contact with you and we will guide you with people close into your facilities who can assist you to grow in your walk. Thank you very much. Amen.